What does it mean to be a Christian? Um, what does that mean we do that makes us a Christian? I uh, was looking up for some graphics for this and uh, ran across this uh, picture. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Twitter. I literally want you to follow me. Um, I, I thought that was pretty appropriate in our day of following on Twitter. Um, we're doing a book study on Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday night, on not just being a fan of Jesus, not a fan. And the author, uh, in the introductory chapter, has a list of things that we've come to, to say, this is what it means to be a Christian. And I just got a chuckle out of some of these. I want to share them with you. Um, do you go to church? Well, that means you're a Christian. Uh, are your parents or grandparents Christian? Well, that must cover you. Uh, did you raise your hand at the end of a sermon one time? Did you repeat a prayer after a preacher? Did you walk forward doing a 12-minute version of Just As I Am? Um, do you own three or more Bibles? Um, have you ever appeared in a church directory? Did you grow up going to VBS or church camp? Is your ringtone on your phone a worship song? Uh, when you pray, are you able to use at least five synonyms for the name of God? Um, under religious views on your Facebook page, does it say Christ follower? Do you say, bless your heart before speaking badly about somebody? Uh, do you understand phrases like traveling mercies and sword drill? We have come to define what it means to be a Christian in a wide variety of ways. And sometimes, in all honesty, the church has been guilty of teaching these things. That it's just about praying a prayer or showing up for church or those kinds of things. But we want to look today at this invitation of Jesus, where he says openly to us and to all, come follow me. He said that to some fishermen. He said it to Matthew, the tax collector. If you look throughout the four Gospels, he says it again and again to individuals and to whole groups of people. Come, follow me. What was Jesus inviting us to do when he said that? Is it just a one-time decision? Or is it more than that? Was he just inviting us to a new set of rules to replace maybe some old rules? Is it just a membership card? Is that what it means to follow Jesus or is it more than that? I think how we understand what it means to follow Jesus or how we misunderstand it may go a long ways to explain what I would call the disconnect a lot of people experience in their faith as a Christian. Jesus promised us, us a lot if we read the Gospels. He says that if we're a Christian, we'll have abundant life. That we can have access to divine power. That we, in fact, will be transformed. That the old will be gone, the new will come. And yet I think a lot of people look at their lives today and say, I'm not sure I see all that. 
I'm not sure I see all that in the Christians I know. I'm not sure I see all of that in my own life. The truth is a lot of Christians today look no different than non-Christians. We face the same problems, the same struggles. We don't seem to have better answers. Because we have the same divorce rates, the same struggles with addictions, the same stresses, the same depressions. And this promise is of abundant life and new life. We struggle to see that. And at times, some people turn away and say, look at Christians, it's... It's a waste of time. It's just a hoax. It's not real. And it would be easy to say that as we see the disconnect between some Christians' lives and the promises of Scripture, except there's so many examples running around of living people where it does work, where their lives are changed, where whole families are transformed. Where people whose life has been in ruins are rebuilt and become better than they've ever been. Where people who had no purpose find a whole new purpose for living. Where people do experience miracles and new beginnings. And when we see that new life that seems so powerful, so attractive... We understand why people say, I want to follow Jesus. One of the, there's two books, I've mentioned them earlier, that I'm looking at for this sermon series. And one of them is by David Platt called Follow Me. And though he's a pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, he spends a lot of his time overseas working with Christians around the world. And The book's worth it just for the stories he tells of these Christians. Christians living today who face enormous persecution and the threat of death, and yet they become Christian. And they risk their very physical lives, and they become Christian because they want to follow Jesus. So what is the disconnect? What are we missing in this whole promise process of following Jesus? That's what we want to wrestle with, not just today, but in the weeks to come. Turn over with me to Matthew 7. I want to read two verses there, because Jesus has some challenging things. And, and honestly, we're going to look at some challenging things these weeks. It won't always be feel good. Sometimes it'll be sort of in your face because sometimes that's how Jesus was. And he lays out a challenge here in Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Jesus is talking here about following him, and he says there is a choice because there's two paths. There is an easy path that's very broad, it's very easy to walk this path, and it's a very popular path. And there's that way of following me, but he says the problem is it doesn't work. A lot of people are walking it, 
It's very common to say this is what it means to follow Jesus, and it's easy. So it is popular, but it doesn't work. But he said there is another path. Now, it's narrower, and it's harder. You're going to have to work at it, and you won't find as many people on this path. But it's the path that works, so take it. That road less traveled, but take it. Because it's the one that is really following me. It's the one that works. And that's what Jesus' real invitation was when he said, follow me. He meant it literally. Get up and follow me. And there is a challenge in that. I I wanted to let him define what does that mean. And there's an interesting passage that Luke has for us over in Luke 9 where Luke collects for us three different incidents where Jesus is talking to three different people about follow me and what that means. And I want to read all three. It's verses 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, You follow me. And that man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another one said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now typically when we look at those three incidents together, we want to break them down and look at the specific details and how does that detail equate over to our lives today? But I think in some ways, focusing on the details causes us to miss the point. Because to me, especially as Luke collects all three of these together, the point is this, when Jesus says, come follow me, he is saying, come follow me without condition. Without but. He's saying, follow me no matter what that will involve. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when we can fit it into a busy schedule. Follow me. Not just when there's a low cost or when it won't make us stand out and look weird to people around us. Follow me all the time. Not just when you like what I say to you. But even when I say some things to you that are going to challenge you to your very foundation, keep following me. Jesus literally meant what he said, follow me. As Brent shared in his communion meditation, God could have saved us in many different ways, but he came to earth in human form and spent three years teaching, acting, living, interacting So that we can see him, so we have somebody to follow. He came to lead us. And his intent was that we would raise up and follow him.
That's why he used that language. And Brent read it as a part of the communion meditation. Whoever wants to be my disciple, that one which is learning from me, following me, they need to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And the picture Jesus uses there, if you want to hold on to your life, you want to call the shots. You want to do it your way. Go ahead, but you're going to lose your life. But he ends that verse by saying, but whoever is willing to let go of their life, follow me. Let me call the shots. Let me lead you where you might not go on your own. That's the person who is going to find life, real life, in all its fulfillment. That cross imagery which Jesus uses is challenging to us. It's shocking to us. We don't like a cross. It doesn't feel good. And we've never even been on one, but we're sure it doesn't feel good. You see, Jesus was saying, I need you to know right up front that following me is not always going to be easy. It's going to be a narrow path that you're going to have to sweat to climb it. But it's the path that works. It's the path I walked. And I need you to follow me. You need to let me be in charge. You need to go where I go. And I washed feet. I touched lepers. I died on a cross. That's where I went. Now I need you to follow me. You need to be willing to do what I do and say what I say. Live like I lived. It's really like dying. Now why in the world would we want to do that? I mean, seriously, that call to follow, because that's what it means to be a Christian. It is more than praying a prayer. It is more than getting dunked in a baptistry. It's more than having my name on a church list or trying to make sure I show up on Sunday morning at least half the Sundays of the month. Being a Christian is one who follows Jesus. Whatever that would mean. Now, why would we do that? Well, in a sense, what Jesus has laid out, there is a broad, comfortable path. The problem is it doesn't work. You can live your life without God, but does that really work? You cannot follow me. You can live for yourself. You can take the broad, popular path. But when the crisis of life hits, When disease leaves us powerless and the doctors can't do anything. When the economy tanks and we lose our job. When the relationships we depended on abandon us. When we are lying on our deathbed wondering what lies beyond. Will we be glad we didn't get up and follow Jesus? If we're just on our own. And I think the answer in our calm, logical thinking would be, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be alone when the economy tanks and have no one there for me. I don't want to be alone when everyone else abandons me. I need someone who will never abandon me. And when I face death, 
I need someone who has proven they can handle death. To not follow Jesus is to lose your life. But he says, if you'll follow me, if you're willing to die with me, if you're willing to give me control, then I will show you a life where you win. And he is up front. He says, now this is going to be a narrow path. It's going to take work. It won't always be what you want to do. And it won't always be popular. But it's worth it. Because on this narrow path, the treasure that you're really seeking in life is waiting. It's down this narrow path. No, every one of those disciples that we read about and that wrote the Gospels in the New Testament, those apostles were martyred for their faith. Following Jesus for them took their very life. And they said, that's fine. I'll do that in order to have Jesus. Uh, Some of the stories that Platt told in his book, Follow Me, of Muslims in Muslim countries where they know if they go home and say, I have become a Christian, they will have to run for their very lives because their own family members will now seek to kill them as an honor killing. And they know that. And they accept Christ. People in India where there are militant Hindus know that if they become a Christian, people in their village may douse them with gasoline or burn the church building while they're in it. And they accept Christ. Why are people doing that around the world? Because they understand that only in accepting Christ, in following Him, will I find the life that I really want. A life that works. A life with the God of the universe as my Father. And the God of the universe is my Savior and brother. Where I will know a power that I'll never find any other way. You see, if we are really following Jesus, if we let him direct our lives and we do what he says, whatever that may be, we find love, God's love, a love that is without limit, a love that is always there for us, a love that will never abandon us, and a love that nothing can separate us So that if we are alone in a jail cell, God's love is there with us. A perfect love. A love that is so big, God himself as Jesus died for us. That's how much he cared. There's a lot of us who grew up in life not believing anybody could care for us that much because we don't feel worthy. And the truth is, God does. And He thinks we are worthy because He died for us. We find that kind of love if we follow Jesus. And we find a life that is great 
Jesus wasn't giving a, a, an empty promise of a salesman when he says, I will give you abundant life. He meant it. A life where God takes care of us. Not that a life is insulated from bad things, but that even in bad things, God is there working and moving. And He will never abandon us even in the dark valleys. And that prayer actually works. And that He does take care of us. And we start to experience those situations that seem hopeless and God does amazing things and we find there is hope in a hopeless situation. That's what we find when we follow Jesus. We may be poor and following Jesus, but we find happiness. And we come to understand it's not tied to the level of our income or the possessions we buy. That God has a happiness that is beyond money and possessions. And we even find that in some of those humblest acts of servanthood, whether it's washing feet or washing floors or serving people, there is a joy that we never would have found in winning some softball tournament or having some new possession. Or some wonderful, expensive experience. There is a joy when we live like Christ. And see a life touched. And understand, God used my hand to touch that life. And we start to see life can really matter. And life that matters is in no way linked to what our culture says life matters. Jesus has a whole new perspective he gives us. On how to make life work. And we find a whole new purpose for living. When we follow Jesus. You see I only quoted half of the verse. When Jesus said to those fishermen. Come follow me. The other half of that verse. And many of you know it. He says come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. See, Jesus' call to follow follow him is not just for what we're going to get out of it. Jesus says, follow me because God has some plans for your life. God wants to use you. God of the universe wants to do things through you. In your school. In your classroom. God wants to use you. So come follow me so you can find out how God can use you at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your house. And suddenly we start to understand that life can have a purpose much bigger than living for me. And that's part of the emptiness of that broad popular path that so many want to walk. And I want to be a Christian just for what it'll do for me. And that's not what Jesus' call to follow is about at all. But what he says is, if you will come follow me, and you'll let God use you, you will also find a life full of joy and love and purpose. And that's his call to us. And we will know that this life 
with Christ will never end. It doesn't end when I'm 62. It doesn't end when I'm 78. It doesn't end at my funeral. In fact, that's just the beginning. That that's what he offers us. When he says, follow me. And that's what those people in Muslim and Hindu and other countries know who are facing persecution. You may kill me, but that's just letting me go to a perfect life sooner. And since Jesus began his work in the book of Acts, Christians have faced that. And known that you may accept Christ today and you may face the lions by Thursday. And they still accepted Christ. Because what he offers us, nobody can take away. And it never ends. And even at death, it just gets better. Because then we are going to be in the very presence, face to face, with this God who loves us so deeply and this Jesus who has scars on his palms because he died for us. And it is going to be a perfect place where there are no tears and no pain and no sadness and that will never end. And for all of those things, he says, so come follow me. It's not follow me to suffer, it's follow me to find life as it can be. And is all of that worth everything? People for 2,000 years have said, you bet it is. I want to follow him. Because to gain all of that and give up this stuff that doesn't last and this stuff that doesn't work and leaves me empty and broken and isolated and all this stuff, to give all that up, to gain all that, you bet. I want to follow him. So what I want to invite you to do is come with me and let's go down the narrow path. I want us to spend the next few weeks looking at this issue of what does it really mean to follow Jesus. And it is going to be more than praying a prayer or getting dunked in a baptistry or showing up for worship half the month. But it's worth it all. It's a narrow path and it's challenging, but it's worth it all. I want to close with the testimony of the Apostle Paul. He'd made this choice and he followed Jesus. And he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I've died. I no longer live. It's Christ living in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I am following Him. The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul walked that narrow path and he never looked back. There's one other passage where Paul says, All that stuff that I used to think was so important, that I built my life on, I now understand it was garbage that I might have Christ and be found in him.
That's someone who understood what it meant to follow Jesus and why it was worth it. So I want to invite you to come walk that narrow path these next few weeks. That you might come to understand as we all wrestle with, what does it mean, really mean, to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Father, you came to earth not only to die on the cross. You stayed and ministered for three years to leave us an example to follow. And that was always Jesus' invitation. Come, follow me. Father, most of us sitting in this room call ourselves Christians. But we need to understand what it means to follow Jesus. And my prayer is that you can use these weeks to help us unpack what that really means to follow Jesus. We'll be challenged. It won't always be easy. But it's worth it. Thank you for Jesus. Help us follow him. In his name. Amen.